Mathematician, a philosopher, and little Johnny had died and gone to St. Peter's Gate, where they were greeted by the devil. The devil said, I want you all to ask me a question, and if I get that question right, you go to hell. But if I get it wrong, you go to heaven. So the mathematician says to him, I want you to produce for me the hardest math question ever written. So a big stack of paper comes up. The mathematician looks at it. He says, you're right. The devil says, go to hell. Philosopher says, I want you to produce to, for me the most comprehensive writing that Socrates ever written. Poof, another big stack of papers. Philosopher reads it. He says, you're correct. Satan says, go to hell. Little Johnny says, give me a chair with seven holes in it. Poof, there's a chair with seven holes. Little Johnny sits down and lets out the biggest fart of his life. He stands up and he says, all right, now which hole did that fart come from? Devil looks at it. He says, I think it came from this third one from the right. Little Johnny says, wrong. It came from my asshole. Can I go now? Daily reminder, you got this. I know it may seem like you don't, but you do. So far, you have survived 100% of your bad days. And that is pretty damn good. Today's word of the day is... Sip it. Definition, a small piece of bread or toast used to dip into soup or sauce or as a garnish. There are a lot of people who are biting their fingers in fear that they might lose their jobs. But there are few people who have decided within themselves, I'm going to make it. Some people aren't waiting to be cut. Some people are moving on their own because they feel within themselves, I've got what it takes to make it. They're not afraid about tomorrow because of how they see themselves because of what they feel that they deserve, because of what they feel that they can create for themselves. Because these people have decided, as they look at the future, as they look at themselves, there's a way. Where there's a will, there's a way for me to begin to create a way out of no way. And when you have that kind of consciousness, when you have that kind of spirit, nothing can stop you. Nothing. What does the $500,000-a-year person do that $50,000-a-year person doesn't do? He pays the price in a little bit more. He works hard in a little bit more. He bleeds in a little bit more. He makes money in a little bit more. He saves money in a little bit more. If you want to win in business, you got to be tough, and you can't quit. Somebody's going to win, you or him. And the person that wins is going to want it the most. This business is nothing but an attitude business. It's your attitude about you. It's your attitude about life. And you go out there this week and you just think you're supposed to be somebody, you're going to do something big, and you go out there and you work hard and you prepare well and you get up mentally and you go out there and you leave it all on the field and you just have a feeling that dad's coming, this is our time, we're we going to do it. You've got a chance to win. Life gives you what you'll fight for. Life don't give you what you want. Life don't give you what you'd love to have. Everybody would love to be successful, right? Everybody wants success. They want financial independence. Life gives you what you will excel. If you want to win, you got to show up and demand for yourself success and fulfillment and happiness. I believe desire and determination is everything. It ain't talent. It ain't brain. It ain't education.
education is desire and determination. You've got to have a will to win. You've got to have a hunger to be somebody. This is your life. This is your legacy. This is who you are. You're writing your history right now. We got to get to work, man. We got to get to work because we live in a day and a time where we have every opportunity to be our best self. From ABC News, I'm Michelle Franzen. South Carolina's GOP presidential primary now just one day out. Former President Trump maintaining a wide lead against Nikki Haley. For Nikki Haley in her home state of South Carolina, the primary on Saturday could make or break her campaign. If she stays competitive, it could propel her to March 5th, Super Tuesday. Haley has been ramping up her attacks against GOP frontrunner Donald Trump, calling him an unhinged candidate who can't win a general election against President Biden. She outraised Trump in January by 2.7 million, but she's still trailing him in the polls by 30 points, despite Trump not spending much time there at all. And when ABC News, Washington. Following the state's Supreme Court in Alabama ruling that frozen embryos are legally children, former President Trump has gone on record saying he strongly supports IVF. ABC's Stephen Portnoy now says it's become a hot-button election issue. The D.C.-based organization that works to elect Senate Republicans in tough statewide races is urging candidates to run as far from the Alabama decision as possible and to express support for IVF and oppose restrictions on it. A memo from the National Republican Senatorial Committee to GOP candidates nationwide says it's imperative that they align with the overwhelming support that surveys have shown for fertility treatments. A former FBI informant charged with lying to the FBI in the Hunter Biden Burisma investigation has been rearrested. Alexander Smirnov was granted release by a judge in Nevada pending trial for allegedly lying to FBI agents about Hunter Biden. Special counsel David Weiss appealed and now a judge in California where the charges were filed has ordered that Smirnov remain in custody and be transported by U.S. Marshals from Las Vegas to L.A. for a hearing on Monday and that there be no deviation from his order. That's in response to Smirnov's attorneys appealing to the Nevada judge who allowed his release to release him again. ABC's Alex Stone, you're listening to ABC News. More layoffs at a one-time new media darling. The expansion of Vice Media brought innovative reporting to the digital space and attracted billions from investors. But the platform has had trouble generating the revenue to maintain its massive operation. Rounds of layoffs and a 2023 bankruptcy have not seemed to end Vice's financial problems. Now employees told Vice will eliminate more staff and no longer publish material on its Vice website and instead focus on social channels for distribution. ABC's Dave Packer. A historic landing last night, a private spacecraft nicknamed Odie touching down on the moon, the first U.S. landing in more than 50 years. Odie already sending signals back to Earth. Israel now out with an official day after plan when its war with Hamas is over. Details from ABC's Marcus Moore in Tel Aviv. We've heard from Benjamin Netanyahu, who really put the plan in a document, on a single document, saying their plan for Gaza is for it to be completely demilitarized, but notably that it would be run by locals, not by Israel. But of course, Israel would maintain its ability or its option to intervene if it needed to, but most of the military apparatus that would be in place would be there just to maintain public order. In New Mexico, it's day two of the Rust movie set trial. Hannah Gutierrez-Reed, who handled the weapons charged with involuntary manslaughter in the shooting death of cinematographer Helena Hutchins. I'm Michelle Franz in ABC News. The 
following program can be heard across platforms such as Amazon Music, Audible, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcast. And with that being said, the Ace of Alonso starts right now. I've ever taken in the wrong direction Helped me get to where I am today And led to monumental moments in my life That I would not have got Now I understand you had a rough match last night uh, You wrestled a lady and she got 14 stitches Yeah, well If that's what it takes to try to win That's what I'll do You can't say women's wrestling Without thinking the fabulous move If she had not run the women's wrestling business There may not have been women's wrestling Introducing first to my right She was so jealous of any woman that was younger than her in wrestling. She was also a manipulator and she was also a thief. She wanted to hurt me, bruise me. There was drugs, there was sex, there's a lot of abuse with Moolah. I'm like, wow, they waited until she passed away to say all these things and she couldn't stand up and defend herself. I was warned, but I wanted to wrestle so bad. She gave her whole life to professional wrestling. She gave all these girls an opportunity and for nobody to stand up for, I don't know, just couldn't deal with it. She was a great professional wrestler, but she didn't know when to stop. On this episode, the life, legend, and controversy of the fabulous Moolah. She made all of her costumes herself. Anything flashy she loved. She was just that kind of person. It really never impressed me that much because to me she was just my mother and I didn't really realize how popular she was. My name is Mary Austin and I'm the only child of the fabulous Mora. My mother kind of kept me out of the spotlight. But she loved the spotlight. <laughs> she was determined to do it. When you really love something, you put yourself into it, and she had all of herself into it. This is one Mary let me have. As you can see, how beautiful it is, sparkly, just like Lula liked it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> My name is Selena Majors. I wrestled as Bambi. Started in 1986, so I've been in it for 32 years. I wanted my name as a kid to be Dynamite Dixie Majors. So I've got these big posters that would say the Fabulous Moolah Champion versus Dynamite Dixie Majors. I had this life-size doll, and I'd take that doll and I would body slam it and climb up on the bed and drop an elbow. 
I'd stand in front of the mirror with my hairbrush, do little interviews and tell Moolah how I was going to come and wrestle her. As you can tell, I like the, the bad guys, the heels. She was a heel. She played that part. My name is the Fabulous Moolah. I've been wrestling since I was 15 years old, and I am the world's champion lady wrestler. They hated her, but that's what she wanted. Picks up a little spoon handle, you know, about the size of your finger, roll it up with tape, and put it down in my bra. The meaner she was, the more they liked it, you know. And she loved being a heel. Stick it in the eyes and the throat. The Fabulous Moolah started as a female wrestler, and then she became the female wrestling champion, and then she became the booker of all the girl wrestlers. I first broke into wrestling as a photographer. I was a 15-year-old kid, and I was doing all of the photography that was sold in the arenas for the entire Memphis wrestling territory. Moolah, can I get a couple of pictures for the magazines? Always say for the magazines, right? Well, of course you can, darling. And she had her stock poses, boom, 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 in 30 seconds, and she's off to the ring. Moolah pioneered the hair-pulling, cat-fighting, scratching, crowd-pleasing kind of women's wrestling. She broke glass ceilings one after another she got into wrestling when there was no women in wrestling women's wrestling was actually banned in madison square garden and moolah was the one that was chosen to break the ban she was the, the featured girl in the first girls match in the garden now that she's almost 60 she's on mtv it's 1984 rock and wrestling connection cindy lauper and that whole era of network tv and madison square garden and mtv and rock and roll stars and this place is ready to explode tonight got so much national attention that nbc and everybody else started looking at at pro wrestling she made it from the mid 50s to the dawn of mtv for the biggest payoff she ever made there she is the fabulous one the fabulous mula putting her title on the line there'll never be anyone to have the the guts that she had this must have been really old look at that look at her hair this is a, a wrestling license her mom passed away when she was about nine i think and then it was her dad and her brothers that raised her so she learned how to fight real early it was rough for her i was an only child and she was just a teenager she went to wrestling matches every week and my mother saw Mildred Burke and she said, that's what I want to be. It's Mildred Burke of Los Angeles, California, world champion. Back in the 30s and 40s, Mildred Burke was such a, a legitimate athlete. She was in tremendous shape and she just had a natural flair for, for wrestling. But behind the scenes, Billy Wolf, Mildred Burke's husband, was pulling the strings and managed the whole women's troupe for good and bad. When she was 17 or 18, she went to see Billy Wolf. When you became a wrestler for Billy Wolf, you automatically had to go to bed with him. She said she wasn't doing it. She could find some other way to wrestle without having to go to bed with him or anyone else. What's the worst experience you, you might want to say that like you ever had with a promoter? <laughs> That's kind of hard to talk about, it really okay. is. The fabulous Moolah at one point was married to a guy named Buddy Lee. Buddy Lee used to wrestle. Of course, they met and they sort of fell for each other. And uh, she did most of the wrestling and he did most of the booking. She basically copied the Mildred Burke and Billy Wolf playbook. They kept their own stable. They took all the bookings and more importantly, a booking fee out of all of the girls' pay 
you knew right off the bat why she got in the business and why she wanted to be a star. She loved money. <laughs> Moolah would play such a dominant role in women's wrestling that in 2018, 11 years after her death, her memory still loomed over the sport. The WWE made the announcement on March the 12th that they were going to honor the fabulous Moolah by having the fabulous Moolah Memorial Battle Royal. I thought it was very nice that they would name it after her, keeping her legacy going. Two or three days later, that had all been taken away. Let's talk about the fabulous Moolah controversy. I think it's just a bunch of bull. I really think it's a bunch of bull. Moolah has an awful past. Some really, really sick shit. She was an evil person. Moolah was pimping girls out. A lot of this stuff is alleged. We gotta say that. It's alleged. Grossed out about it. Name it something else. It's not hard. Scrap it. Stories started coming out on the internet. Fabulous Moolah suddenly was a horrible person who took advantage of all these women and pimped them out and fed them drugs and all this stuff. They contacted the sponsors and they had to take her name off. I was very shocked because I knew better. I knew none of that was true. And thanks to Nigel, he took the lead way on it. My name is Nigel Sherrod. I'm mostly known as a wrestling host. The Fight for Moolah campaign came about because we started a petition to put the truth out there and to honor the woman who broke down the walls for everybody else. I just wanted to clear her name because Moolah's not here to defend herself. Did Moolah indeed take advantage of the girls? Some of the girls have said yes, some of the girls have said no. I think that it was ignorant, canceling the Fabulous Moolah Memorial uh, Battle Royal because I interviewed over 20 women, and they all said the same thing. There's no truth to those rumors. Accusations about Moolah polarized the wrestling world. They originated from an investigative newspaper story that quoted serious allegations by the family of one of her former wrestlers. St. Mark, if you see these guys moving around, they, they are a professional film company, and they are doing an episode dealing with pro-women wrestlers, which one of them was my mother. South Carolina first black female professional wrestler, Sweet Georgia Brown. I'm Michael McCoy. Um, I'm a senior pastor at St. Mark Baptist Church. That article that came out in the Columbia Free Times, it was about what my mother had to go through and endure while she was in wrestling. I started a search to try to find out the truth. Maybe you could just tell us your name and a little bit about yourself. Yes, my name is Barbara Harsey, and I am the proud daughter of Susan May McCoy. Who is also known as? Sweet Georgia Brown. When my mom went into wrestling, she was with the so-called Great Moolah. She said she was forced to do a lot of things against her will. Now, these just stories that I heard, do I know any truth to them? No, I can't sit here and say I know truth to it. I'm not. But, you know, when more than one, two, three people saying the same story, you know, somebody ain't lying. Phil, honey, can you walk these guys outside? and show them the banister. This is my husband, Philip. Uh, yeah, doing. Yeah, sure, sure, Dan. 
Back when Moolah died, my husband, he went over to tear down the barn that the ring was in, and um, he found the banister, the women's wrestlers, and he brought it back, thought I would want you know, keep it. For the better part of 25 years, every top girl wrestler was trained by Moolah, booked out by Moolah, and was controlled by, by Moolah's group. Can you tell us who Sweet Georgia Brown was? Yeah, she was one of the uh, the first African-American women to wrestle, and uh, my mother trained her. Believe it or not, it was on a mattress in the living room. It was unreal, but they learned a lot. I was told she had that drive to go get it. You know, it's like she had a purpose. She wanted to be there. The first time I seen a wrestler, place with Jam Pat, throwing each other out the ring, they kicking, body slamming. Uh, I just figured, you know, this is one tough lady. Being one of the first black females to get into the wrestling business, the KKKs was at, at their fullest. The segregation was really bad at that time. Whenever they were on the road, my mother was very protective. There was a time in Mississippi she did have a run-in with some KKKs. She was thrown on the floor of the bus, and she was scared for her life. She'd had to have been super passionate because, see, in 1964, she was ranked number four in the world. If she would have had the opportunity to fight for the world's title, she probably would have won it. But Mula was most definitely not going to let a student challenge her for the world's title. When my mom went into wrestling, she left us with one of her sisters. She called us names, half-breeds. She was a witch. God forgive me. She's dead and gone. Every time my mother went on the road and she'd come back, just about, she was pregnant. One of my aunts said that every time you come back home, you come back home with one of these half-white half kids, half-breeds. And we got mistreated, you know, for years growing up because of our color. I hated where she had left us. I hated her career. But then when I got the full story, her. I kind of understood. There's a lot of abuse with Moolah and Buddy Lee. I saw her one time. This big old car had pulled up. She was getting out the back of the car, and it was only for a few hours. I didn't know the man's name at the time, but he thought it was time to go. My sister and I, we grabbed hold to her leg, but he kind of like pushed her and she hit her head getting into the car. I don't know if it was intentionally or it was an accident. My mom said everywhere she went and everything she did was done according to Buddy Lee and Moolah. I think she thought that it was going to be glamorous and glory, but it turned out to be something totally different. I heard different stories um, about my mother. It's, it's real sad, and I have, I have no reason not to believe that account. There was one gruesome time that we talked about. She was told to drink and pop pills, and she was made to have 
to sex with that man. On the road, some of the promoters wouldn't pay some of the girls until they slept with other promoters. From what my mother told me, she was their favorite. And you can call it entertaining or whatever. It's still pimping and prostitution. Buddy Lee was not a nice person. And uh, my mother was on the road and she came home a day early and caught him in her bed was one of the girls that she trained. And she threw Buddy out, that was it. A lot of the girls went with him. Georgia Brown was one of the girls that went with Buddy. I started to search for my father and then one of the first places where I started was with the fabulous Moolah. Honestly, I was almost kind of afraid a little bit because I heard of the Moolah that everybody else talked about. But the Moolah that I met, she seemed to be a fine lady. I asked Moolah, did my mother ever talk about who my father was? Then Moolah took me to her wall, and she pointed out this one picture. And I said, who is this guy right here in the middle? She said, um, well, his name is Buddy Lee. He was kind of rough on the girls. I think that happened with sweet Georgia Brown, that she was one that had to go to bed with Buddy. And as a matter of fact, I think the son, Michael, is proof of that. If Buddy Lee's my father, then that's who he is. I wasn't coming in to look for anything, and I didn't want anything. I just wanted to close a chapter in my life. I knew that everything was over when my uncle burned up all of her stuff, and he poured gas on it, and he set it on fire right there in front of us. At the end, she kind of thanked him because of the things that she had to endure, the things that she was made to do by Moolah, by Buddy Lee, by the industry itself. Listening to your mom describe some of the most horrific things she had to do, you can't just walk away. Regardless of the abuse she went through, regardless of if they made her use drugs, they made her use alcohol, rather they pimped her. She still was South Carolina's first black female professional wrestler. Honor it. Sweet Georgia Brown's life was shaped by forces beyond her control. For Moolah to succeed, she would need to build her own women's wrestling empire. The fabulous Moolah single-handedly built her women's training school into a powerhouse that dominated the industry. It attracted young women eager to follow in her footsteps. In Columbia, South Carolina, there was a location called Moolah Drive. <laughs> and on Moolah Drive was the house that Moolah built and also a, a variety of other buildings. It was a compound. The women not only trained there, but they lived on the property and Moolah presided over it like a, a mother lion. She took girls from all walks of life, and she brought them in. She taught them a skill. She put it together like a group or a union and took care of the girls and made sure they were taken care of. She was one of the most powerful women in the wrestling business. If you were a female wrestler at that point and you wanted to get booked, you pretty much had to go through moolah or you weren't going to work. I have a bunch of questions. Okay. Uh, I took my truth serum before I came okay. in. 
My name is Wendy Richter. Wendy Richter! I was a professional wrestler for over 20 years. The first time I ever watched a wrestling match, I watched the fabulous Moolah versus Vivian St. John. And I told my friend, I could beat Moolah. The referee gave me Moolah's phone number. She told me to come on to Columbia, South Carolina. I was there within two weeks. My name is Victoria Otis. I wrestled as Princess Victoria. I come from a very, very abusive childhood. And that's basically what took me to wrestling. You had to want it. You had to bleed. You had to cry. When I was wrestling, and it had been about a year, and I was told by my promoter, look, I've done all I can do. I've tried to get you booked other places. The only way I can get you booked is i got to send you to Moolah. I still remember a friend of mine telling me, Vicki, he said, don't go to Moolah's. Find a job, get on your feet, just don't go to Moolah's. I was warned, but I wanted to wrestle so bad. When you first got to the property, there's these big gates. After dark, the gates were locked. If you weren't home and you weren't working, you got locked out. Mula had a roommate named Diamond Lil, and we all called her Katie. And I really like Katie. My name is Diamond Lil, and Buddy Lee named me Diamond Lil. Katie come from a hard background, too. She was a wrestler, and she lived in the house with Moon, and she called her Ma. And she's been right there with my mother through thick and thin. Katie liked to drink beer, but she wasn't allowed to. Katie used to come out to the pond and go fishing, and I'd come in there and drop a six-pack in the pond, and her and I'd sit there and drink beer. <laughs> I was famous for getting the beer in the property. <laughs> They had uh, apartments, and she would put two or three girls in there at a time, and they, they would come down to the gym every morning. What I remember the most about my training at Mola's was learning to drop kick. I would go out there and drop kick and drop kick and drop kick and just land on the mat. The mat wasn't soft. It was all bloody, and by that time, a lot of it was mine. There were buckets strategically placed. And it wasn't if you were going to throw up. It was when you were going to throw up and would you hit the bucket. One thing that Moolah taught me, take a bite and growl. Moolah, she never trained me. She just took the money and she had the girls train me. She wanted her $300. Now, can you imagine... Four girls in one little house. She's getting $1,200 a month in the 80s. And on top of that, she's taking 25% off of what she's telling us we're paid. Bullpucky. I'm sitting here 24 hours a day making you connections with the promoters. All you got to do is set your lazy butt in the car and go to wrestle and collect their money and send me 25%. And I thought that was, that was fair. There's a picture of me in this brown outfit that Moolah presented to me at Christmas in front of all the girls. 
after she had given all of them a five or ten dollar gift, that was no cheap outfit. That was hand beaded. That was a two to three hundred dollar outfit. She couldn't take me in privately and give me this outfit. She had to do it in front of the girls. That was another one of her little manipulation things. Everything brings back memories now. And it's like the floodgates get opened. I was in a, a match. I know it was the first or second week in September 1984. A, a girl, shut up! Um, the night I broke my neck in the ring, a girl stumbled and she sat on my head. That was the day my world fell apart. It hurt so bad I couldn't stand it. I remember a moment at the hospital. They had my neck braced. I remember being on a cot. Then the next thing I remember, I don't know how, but I'm back at Moolah's property, and Moolah's walking me out to the range. So I want to see if you can take a bump. I took a bump, and I cried. Every time I took a bump, I felt like something was exploding. This went on for a month, two months. Moo comes to me one day. She said, "Hun, if you go see this guy in Holland, oh, he'll give you payday." I thought to myself, "I can't wrestle. Might as well." I get on the phone with this guy, and I make it explicitly clear. It's separate motel rooms. The conversation after I hung up from him with Moo was, you know, hon, the nicer you are to him, the bigger your payday will be. And you could really use a payday. And so was Moolah sort of insinuating, like, the idea that... When Moolah looked at me and said, you know, the nicer you are to him the nicer he'll be to you. What else can I say? When this guy first picked me up at the airport, I said, damn, this guy didn't get beat by the ugly stick. He got beat by the whole damn forest. I wake up the next morning, I catch him right here, and I grab his hand, and I'm holding it. I said, dude, I will break your wrist. And she was fire engine red pissed when I got back. I can't believe she didn't sleep with him. Well, not a week after I got back is when Moo came to me and said, look, you can't wrestle and I need my rent. I'll take that yellow outfit. I'll take the brown outfit that she gave me for Christmas. I left the property that day with my Chevy Malibu station wagon and 20 bucks in my pocket. She dumped me and I never wrestled again. When I walked away 30 years ago, my heart was broke. <sighs> I can't even explain it. I miss the road. I miss my friends. I miss my family. And when I left, do you know what Moo told the girls? She told them I was in prison for dealing cocaine. For God's sake, she couldn't tell them that I broke my neck and I, I, and I was of no use to her anymore. So I had to go, because then they knew their fate. I love wrestling. To protect this business, to me, is like protecting the country. If wrestling needed me, I'd do it in a heartbeat. All someone has to do is ask.
As wrestling gained popularity in the early 1980s, the WWF looked to replenish its roster with younger wrestlers. Moolah's protege, Wendy Richter, was an obvious choice. Wendy Richter, hell of a person, hell of a lady. She loved her business. She honed her skills. She worked very hard to become the wrestler she was. Do you have an assumption as to why there was so much friction between you and Mula? The only thing I can think of why there was so much friction is possibly she was jealous of me because I was younger than her. And like my father said, they couldn't put her face on a can of dog food to sell it. Wendy Richter began to eclipse her mentor, and she left Mula's stable to join Vince McMahon. When I left Mula's, I had a conversation with Vince McMahon and told him that I didn't want to live there anymore, and I did not want my check going to her. I wanted the check to come to me, so I knew what I was making. As soon as Vince took over from his father, he started making changes. One advantage that he had was that a lot of celebrities had grown up in the New York area as fans of wrestling, and one of those was Cindy Lauper. Cindy Lauper was on an airplane flight with Lou Albano. And then Lou Albano tells everyone that he was managing Cindy Lauper. I created and made Cindy Lauper. Took out from a nothing. I don't know if anybody knows it, but when she did Girls Just Want to Have Fun, he was in it. That's how all of this came together. It all boiled down to that Lou Albano said, I'm going to choose someone to represent me in the ring. So Lou Albano chose Fabulous Moolah. And Cindy Lauper chose me. Moolah may have the world's championship belt, but she also has Lou Albano on her side. <laughs> as soon as Cindy Lauper got involved with Lou Albano, Vince McMahon saw gold and fostered that connection into the rock and wrestling connection. The wrestlers giving their hand at it, they have uh, been involved with rock and roll in the past year. It brought the dated look of wrestling into the mainstream. Wendy Richter morphed from the Dallas Cowgirl to Wendy Richter, a little bit more Cindy Lauperish, a little more rock and roll, and that's what led the MTV movement there in 1984 that pretty much paved the way for the first WrestleMania. They were giving girls more of a push than they probably ever had before. They were really trying to escalate the girls up, trying to get equal to the men. It was a turning point for women's wrestling. Vince wanted to make Wendy Richter the equivalent as Hulk Hogan would be, so he had a male role model and a female role model. Since the most widely recognized female champion of the previous 30 years had been the fabulous Moolah, Wendy needed to beat Moolah for the title. Well, with that in mind, ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to introduce to you the number one contender for the ladies' championship, Miss Wendy Richter. And the rest is history. Ladies and gentlemen, this title belt will be wow. on the line at Madison Square Garden just moments from now. This lady to the fan. The rivalry was about to explode in what would become one of the most watched matches of all time. That was probably the most nervous I've ever been in my life. I knew every move mattered. There was so much at stake, and it was against Moolah. It was the culmination of my whole career. Moolah had been very jealous and guarded of that championship for a long time, but 
Vince was able to write the appropriate amount of money on a check and that changed Moolah's mind. And also, by doing that, Moolah got Vince McMahon Jr.'s loyalty for life. One, two! That's when everything changed. championship it was a feeling like no other everyone was up on their feet and screaming i can't believe someone beat her after 28 years and that someone was me it was a big deal for the fans because they wanted to see wendy win right but it was a bigger deal inside the business because two generations of wrestlers had come and gone without ever seeing the fabulous moolah lose it was shocking to the folks in the business who knew about the stranglehold that Moolah had had on the thing. Right here is the new champ, the terrific symbol of the new woman. My match against Moolah for the championship was kind of ground zero for women's wrestling, and it moved towards a different level of women's wrestling. See, what a lot of people don't understand is once you step in that ring, you're addicted. I think Moolah let her ego get in her way, and Moolah couldn't quit. Wendy, show what you got. <laughs> Cindy Lauper. Oh my, we were on the top of a skyscraper. <laughs> I remember I was hot, I was hungry, I was thirsty, and it felt like the day would never end. When I went to visit my father and my grandmother in Kokomo, Indiana, people recognized me. I'm thinking, they know me in Kokomo. Even though Wendy was a household name, Wendy wasn't getting paid like a household name, though. I found out early in my career that the men were being paid far more than the women. But if I'm the only one saying that, one person can be replaced. Vince McMahon had been pushing Wendy Richter, going to make her a superstar. She possibly was getting too big for her britches. He decided that she needed to lose the belt, and who's going to beat her for the belt? I was on the road constantly, but it was always matches against Moolah over and over. I'll never forget one time she got me in a move, the Boston Crab. With that, you never go all the way back because you could break someone's back. Well, she did. She tried to break my back. She wanted to put me out. My spine snapped like firecrackers. She was just so bitter. I really believe in the golden rule, treat others as you'd like to be treated. But sometimes you got to treat fire with fire. And in the ring, when that bell rang, you had no friends. When I was to wrestle the Spider Lady for a championship match, it changed my career. It changed my life. I really didn't think anything of it. So I thought, well, it's just another championship match, and it's against the Spider Lady. Wendy said that Moolah showed up. She didn't understand why Moolah was there. I'd wrestled the Spider Lady before, and I didn't recall her being 
that size. A very determined young lady. Going to take one heck of a wrestler to be able to strip that title from her. The match really didn't go that good. It was just a wrestling hole. Spider going, oh, small package. The referee counted one. I kicked out, had my shoulder up. Two, three. And that was it. What was that? It appears that the referee has made a three count. The match was over. Then the masked person took their mask off. And it was Mola. It is Mola. It is Mola. Take a look. Kids. Fabulous Mula, the oldest, saltiest dog in the yard that knows all the tricks. She was the one that was chosen because it was thought that if, if things did break down, that she can handle Wendy legitimately anyway. Did you have any idea that that was Mula mm -hmm. in the match at all? No, I couldn't tell who it was. It was obvious who was under that mask. Everybody in the arena knew who was under that mask. Wendy knew. This double cross blurred the lines between business and storyline. Whatever the truth was, Wendy came out the loser. I demanded to talk to Vince McMahon, and no one would tell me where he was. I probably would have killed him with my bare hands. What Vinny and Moo did to her? Wendy was over like a million dollars at that time. Her and Cindy Lauper and the cartoon, uh, the Goonies. You know, Wendy was over as big as Hogan, and maybe that was the problem. The only thing I can think of is I was asking to be paid fairly. I feel like it was a sad situation that happened because the girls should be paid maybe more than they were at the time, but... When a promoter tells you who's going to win or lose, you have to go with the one who's running the show, whether you like it or not. That was her choice to walk away from it. If everything had worked with Wendy, there would have been an established women's division with women featured in, in more important matches a lot before it actually happened. I was angry for what she just did to women's wrestling. For so long, she held it back, she held it back, she held it back. Then finally, it started to bloom, and she killed it. I think Mula was afraid. I think she was afraid of walking away. I left out of the arena fully dressed in my wrestling suit, hailed a cab in New York City, and went to the airport. They were dead in my life. They were dead. Have you ever seen the footage of the match? I almost did. I couldn't bear to see it. What good would it do? The bitch is dead, okay? I don't need to see it. <laughs> I was there. In 1995, the fabulous Moodle became the first woman inducted into the WWF Wrestling Hall of Fame. Tonight... It's the greatest night of my life being inducted into the WWF Hall of Fame. By the year 2000, the WWF had phased out traditional women's athletic wrestling 
in favor of strip matches and comedy storylines. But Moolah showed no sign of slowing down. She teamed up with fellow wrestling legend Mae Young. Mae Young wrestled in seven different decades. She was tougher than Moolah, and that's saying something. Years ago, they they had to put up a, a chicken wire fence up over the ring because they hated me so bad. It's insane that more people saw Moolah and Mae in the late 90s and early 2000s when they were both everybody's grandmother. Or maybe the Adams family's grandmother. I have to be real careful with her. Everywhere I go, she either wants to get drunk or naked. This would be the place, I guess. <laughs> and then, of course, they go out on TV and they can take the tremendous bumps and incredible falls and, and still somehow not break into a million pieces. She should have stopped in her 60s, but she couldn't. I mean, my God, she was 80 years old wearing a checkered schoolgirl outfit. No, no, stop, stop, Cooter, stop it, stop, shh, I get the last word, not you, be good boy. What was her funeral like? It was crowded, and I don't, I tell you the truth, I don't know, I was just in a daze the whole time, I, I didn't even know that he was there. I just remember thinking that it was the end of an era. In 2007, Moolah passed away at the age of 84. The wrestling family showed up in large numbers to pay their respects. This is where she's buried. This is hers here, and this is Katie's, and this was Johnny Mays here. She had that little thing put there. She said, when you want to come talk to me, there's a bench in there. You won't get wet if it's raining. She was all I had. And... I miss her every day. No one can ever, can ever be as, as good as she was. Never. Women's wrestling today has undergone a renaissance I don't think would have been possible without the rise of women in mixed martial arts, and specifically Ronda Rousey. Now it's so much more refined. It, it wasn't that way in Moolah's day because that wasn't her strong point. Ten years after Moolah's death, her impact on wrestling remains controversial. Well, I think in wrestling, there is blurred lines between your character and who you really are. I believe that the fans couldn't tell the difference between Moolah and the character she was playing. Nobody really knows how it hurts you to hear that, that you work for somebody and they pimped you out so you get where you did. She was... Uh had never once ever drugged any of us. It just really pisses me off that they're taking away the legacy of the fabulous Moolah. I mean, I'll be honest with you, Bambi was never a famous wrestler, but if there's one thing that I could do, it would be to save Moolah's name and legacy and restore what she gave to the professional wrestling business. Moolah may have initially opened doors, but she quickly closed the door. She held women's wrestling back probably for 40 years. If Mula had left Wendy with the belt, I think women's wrestling would have skyrocketed. She wasn't as big a star as Mildred Burke. She's not as big a star as Ronda Rousey, but she was the placeholder for 30 years. How do you think people should, should remember Mula? Anywhere they like. 
everybody have their own opinion. And me personally, I don't have an opinion of Mungo. None that I care to share. If I choose not to like her because of what she did to me, that's fine. But Mula needs to be remembered. She was an icon in this business. You can't take away her history just because she's an asshole. All the girls that she trained remember her, and they know that they wouldn't be where they are now without her, and they wouldn't have had the career they had without her. Whoever's starting these rumors, you're not just calling Mula a pimp. You're calling me a prostitute, and that hurts. And if you were not on that property, if you were not in that room, you don't know what happened, and you need to shut up. South Carolina. I'm John Saucier, Fox News. South Carolina's Republican primary is tomorrow, and if the polls are to be believed, former President Trump way ahead of his lone challenger and the former governor of that state, Nikki Haley. Nikki Haley sees the polls. She told Fox's America's Newsroom she doesn't have to win her home state tomorrow to stay in the race. But it certainly has to be better than what I did in New Hampshire, and it certainly has to be close. She accused former President Trump of talking incessantly about his legal issues. Trump told a Fox News town hall this week the legal cases against him are forms of election interference. Nikki has no chance, but if she ever did, they would go after her the same way. But Haley was asked why she can't seem to stop Trump, whose numbers seem to rise with every legal filing or appearance. Just wait. March, April, May, June. The months, she says, when the former president will be stuck in courtrooms. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. Here's South Carolina Senator Tim Scott. What we need now is to be very clear. Any other day after tomorrow, talking about Republican primaries is a day wasted not talking about Joe Biden. The senator's comments on Fox and Friends. President Biden is renewed a push for Congress to take up a bipartisan border agreement. Fox's Jared Halpern reports from the White House. President Biden told a room of Republican and Democratic governors here to apply pressure on their congressional delegations to take up a Senate border and immigration proposal. You have real skin in the game. So if this matters to you, it matters to your state. Tell your members of Congress are standing in the way. Show a little spine. A bipartisan Senate bill would have put new restrictions on asylum and authorized new spending for enforcement. Republicans say it is not strong enough and have urged the president to restore policies from the Trump administration. President Biden is reportedly considering some executive actions, though they could face legal challenges. At the White House, Jared Halpern, Fox News. America's listening to Fox News. The White House announcing new sanctions against Russia in response to their alleged killing of Russian opposition leader Alexei Navalny and continued invasion of Ukraine. National Security Communications Advisor John Kirby. We sanctioned over 500 targets to impose additional costs for Russia's repression, for their human rights abuses, and of course for their aggression inside Ukraine. Well, Navalny was arrested, sentenced to 19 years in a Russian prison after being found guilty of supporting extremism. Tomorrow, by the way, the two-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And on that note, the Pentagon is urging Congress to come back from recess and pass a funding bill to send weapons over to Ukraine. We have Fox's Jennifer Griffin with the latest on those efforts. She reports from the Pentagon. A bipartisan group of lawmakers led by Pennsylvania Republican Congressman Brian Fitzpatrick is working on a new $66 billion foreign aid bill that strips out 
out humanitarian and economic aid for Ukraine and provides just weapons, many of which are only made in the U.S. and could help U.S. defense industries. Fox is told it strengthens southern border security provisions with a reinstatement of Title 42 and remain in Mexico policies. At the Pentagon, Jennifer Griffin, Fox News. A person of interest is being questioned in connection to the homicide investigation of a local student who was found dead Thursday on the campus of the University of Georgia. The victim identified by the university as a 22-year-old Lincoln Hope Riley. Officials say she'd gone for a jog, was found dead with visible injuries in a forested area right behind Lake Herrick on Thursday. Police said foul play was suspected in her death on Friday. The case was called a homicide investigation. Heavy police presence Friday at the apartment located about a mile from Lake Herrick. Riley was a junior at Augusta University's College of Nursing. And just really sad stuff there. In a message Thursday to the campus community, the local police say in the past 24 hours there was a traumatic time for that university. I'm John Saucier. This is Fox News. If you guys enjoyed that episode, do me a favor. Leave me a five-star rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Audible. Or however many stars you think I deserve. And until next time, I'll catch your asses down the road. Grab a clue, what could that be? They tell me that I'm never gonna make it. They want me to do something that can make sense. They hate when I keep dreaming I'll be famous. But I don't give a fuck if I keep chasing. They tell me that I'm never gonna make it. They want me to do something that can make sense. They hate when I keep dreaming I'll be famous. But I don't give a fuck if I keep chasing. I think this life could be special if I get rid of the devils. They think that I am a rebel. I think they want me to settle. There's nobody on my left.